0: Today on CityCast Philly, in the 2018-2019 school year, only 72% of Philadelphia's public school students were graduating in four years. That's according to school district data. But now there are new graduation standards from the state for the class of 2023. What does this mean for teachers and students? It's Tuesday, November 15, 2022. I'm Trinae Noree, and this is CityCast Philly. Aubrey Juhas, your WHYY's education reporter, and one of your latest stories was about this new graduation uh, standard. When we hear the statistic that just 35 percent of Philadelphia's public school students would have been able to graduate based on their test scores alone, what does that mean? What, what is that saying?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a scary number when you hear it at first. So let me make it a little less scary. Um, okay. Basically, basically, you have the folks at the Philadelphia Education Research Consortium, and they decided that they were going to basically look at these new standards that are in place for this school year moving forward. And they wanted to have a sense, you know, what kind of impact are these standards going to have? To do that, they kind of went back in time and they looked at the graduating classes of 2018 and 2019 and they said, if these new requirements were in place, how many students would be able to graduate based on their test scores alone? That's where the 35% figure comes from. Now, the good thing is there are other ways for students to graduate under the new standards. There are these alternative pathways. Um, but basically what the report is trying to say is the vast majority of students are going to have to graduate through these alternative pathways. So it's kind of raising raising a flag and saying like, hey, please be aware, city of Philadelphia school district parents, there are these new requirements and your kids are probably going to have to go through these kind of like twisty, turny alternative pathways because they're probably not going to score high enough on the tests.
0: Why is that though?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's a lot of things. I mean, we, we always have these questions when we look at large urban school districts. Students, you know, they typically don't score very high on standardized tests. Um, and we often hear about the opportunity gap, right? It's this idea that, you know, Black and Latino students who come from low-income households, they just don't have the resources both at home and in their schools to really thrive academically. And as a result, we see that play out on test scores. The other part of the situation that's unique to Pennsylvania is the fact that compared to other states, Pennsylvania relies really heavily on local property taxes to fund its public schools. And Mm -hmm. this arrangement has produced really wide funding disparities between districts in high and low income areas, which is actually currently the subject of a state lawsuit. Um, But what this means is that you have, you know, students in large urban school districts who don't have the resources they need, they don't perform as well on these tests, And ultimately if you have a test-based standard, it's gonna create a higher burden in these communities. Um, What I will say, which I think is important and the researchers have noted is that because these exams weren't high stakes previously, it's possible that students weren't taking them seriously, right? Like if you sat down to take a test and you knew it wasn't gonna count towards anything, you probably wouldn't try your best. So the possible silver lining is that, you know, maybe maybe more students are gonna do better And more than 35% will be able to graduate through the test-based pathway. We don't have a way of knowing at this point.
0: Right. So can you explain the current graduating standards?
1: Yeah. So the current standards have kind of, you know, been far more locally based, right? You have to take a set number of of courses, get enough credits. To get a credit, you have to pass your class. There haven't been test-based requirements at the state level previously, some states have, you know, standard exams that students all take across the state, and that's kind of this collective benchmark. The state previously hasn't had that, and now they're they're going to have that. But in recognition of the fact that many students won't meet that benchmark, they've created alternative benchmarks as well.
0: Okay, let's talk about the new standard. So in order to graduate, students need to go through one of five pathways— Two of them are test-based. Aubrey, can you break this down for me a little bit? And it's known as Keystone Pathways, right? What does that really mean? Yeah. So the state exams are called the
1: Keystone exams because we're the Keystone State, right? That's kind of cute. Right. But <laughs> um, <laughs> the two main graduation pathways, these test-based pathways, are called the Keystone Pathways. And and basically, what it means is you can graduate if you score high enough on the state's standardized exams. These keystones. And the exams themselves are end-of-course exams. Students are required to take in biology, algebra, and literature. If a student scores proficient or higher on all three exams, they're all set. They can graduate. Um, But if a student doesn't score proficient or higher on all three exams, the other way they can graduate with the exams is if they have a composite score that's high enough. So maybe one score is a little bit too low, but the other two scores are high enough. It's enough to carry them over. So that's kind of the scenario where a student does well enough on these exams. They don't have to think about the alternative pathways.
0: And speaking of alternative pathways, there are three. What are they and what do they involve? Yeah, yeah. So the alternative pathways are
1: definitely a little bit more complicated. Um, When I look at the requirements, it kind of makes me think about when you go to the the DMV and you have like this matrix of like all these different documents that you could bring or show Um, within each pathway, there are different things that students can do to to hit the benchmarks. And I would say kind of the the overarching description of them is that they are more focused on students um, showing that they're career college ready without having these test scores. Um, So a student might have to get industry-based credentials. They might take some alternate tests. Um, They may show evidence like college admission or internship experience or even a job offer. Mm-hmm. So it's just a lot of different options, but the idea is giving students an alternative so that if they don't perform well enough on on state exams, they can still graduate. Otherwise, you know, you're closing the door to a very large proportion of students who who might, you know, essentially get stuck and just take the exams over and over again and not be able to graduate
0: otherwise. Are our city's public schools prepared for these new graduation requirements?
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they say that they are. Um, I spoke with officials with the School District of Philadelphia and both current and former officials with the State Department of Education. And while they acknowledge that this year is, is going to be difficult because it's it's difficult to implement anything that's new for the right, first the time, first,
0: yeah, first
1: especially, time. especially, you know, the timing is not ideal in some folks' opinion, right? We're coming off the pandemic Students in some cases haven't been able to sit for exams. They didn't consistently attend all of these classes. Um, So it's going to be challenging. And the state is aware and they have kind of made these carve outs and caveats to try to create exceptions when necessary. But at the end of the day, because this has been a long time coming, school leaders say, you know, we're aware of this. This didn't come out of nowhere. And it's also, in some folks' opinion, a better situation than it could have been. Initially, the state just wanted high-stakes testing. They didn't, they didn't want to have alternative options, right? So there could have been a world in which we had keystone requirements with no alternative pathways. I think that's something that would have scared a lot of folks, especially here in Philadelphia, where we know the majority of students are not scoring high enough to graduate based on their test scores. So the fact that these alternative pathways exist is something that people are really you know, excited about and has created some relief. Um, but it's hard when you put anything new in place. You need to communicate it to teachers and parents and students and all of the community organizations that really help the school system function. So while folks are aware, it's definitely going to be a heavy lift this year.
0: What kind of support do teachers and schools need right now?
1: Yeah, I think like what they need is um, manpower. Um, (laughs) I think one of the things I've heard from teachers is this concern that, you know, Counselors already have a lot on their plates. You know, will counselors be able to sit down with every student and every family and make sure that students are on track? Um, because the standards themselves are are really complicated there's this, you know, there's this flowchart that the state has called the graduation trail, a student's journey. And if you look at it, it's like a choose your own adventure, you know, if you do this, then you do that. And if you can't do this, then you do that. Mm -hmm. And the good thing is there are so many different options. So students can ultimately get to that diploma. But the problem is you have to be really strategic, right? Like a student Mm. can't just pursue one pathway, because if they don't get the score they need on one test, You don't want to all of a sudden, you know, graduation is out of reach, right? So you need to be kind of playing this game where you're going down one pathway, but you're also doing the steps so that if you need to pivot, you can pivot. That's a lot for a student to keep
0: track of. (laughs) Yeah, Aubrey, I'm just thinking, I mean, just how are students, because they're the ones that have to go through this, how are students um, and their parents and guardians adjusting to these new graduation standards?
1: Yeah, I just I think it's really new right now. And when I was talking to folks at the beginning of the school year, a lot were not aware that the change was coming. At this point, they should be aware is what the district has said, they've started some concerted messaging in the last couple weeks, every high school senior should be having a one on one meeting, you know, with their parents and with either a counselor or a teacher at this point, to to make sure they have a game plan. Some people have said it feels like it's a little bit Late, maybe you know, to you're going into your senior year and to have to figure out, do I need to have an industry-based credential at the end of the year? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? So it's a little overwhelming at this point for folks. But the hope is that as this becomes a norm and people acclimate, that it won't feel like such a big burden. But at the end of the day, it it's going to create a bigger burden for students and families whose children do not perform well on standardized tests. Right? Like it's really if your kid you know, gets a high enough score on a test, you're done. You don't have to worry about it. If your kid doesn't, now you have to think about all of these other things. So this just brings us back to this tension where, okay, it's a, you know, in the, in the eyes of advocates, it's a good idea to have alternate options to make sure these kids can graduate, but it's creating a lot more work for them.
0: Interesting. And I'm also just thinking, like you said, industry credentials, like You know, some people may not really know what they want to do after high school. Yeah. As a 16, 17, 18-year-old young person, you may not have even touched the surface of your interest or experiences just quite yet. Uh, So this seems like, yeah, it's going to be kind of tough to navigate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think at least... um... A positive here is that the school district of Philadelphia has really invested more in career and technical education in recent years. A lot of high schools kind of, you know, have these career and technical education programs are what kind of make the school what it is. And more high school students are picking high schools deliberately based on these things, which is helpful. So it means that more students will be familiar with these concepts, will maybe have been thinking about this, but it won't be the case for every student.
0: Aubrey, with these new standards, though, will the graduation rate go down?
1: Yeah, so we don't know yet. I asked everyone that I spoke with that same exact question, because I think that at the end of the day, that's the big concern. And and what they said is with the alternative options, like we were saying, like they are optimistic that this creates a pathway so that every student can graduate on time. We know that Previously, not every student has graduated from high school on time. That four-year graduation rate before the pandemic was 72%. But, but given the alternatives, officials have said they, they really hope that things hold, hold steady and that maybe even, you know, graduation rates will continue to increase. Um, they mentioned the fact that the district can also request waivers from the state. So if you have a student who's really facing extenuating circumstances for one reason or another, there's, you know, the possibility that they can graduate without meeting one of these five pathways. Um, but it's still, a, it's a big question mark, but, but folks are cautiously
0: optimistic. All right. Aubrey Uhas is WHYY's education reporter. Thank you so much for being on CityCast Philly. Thanks for having me. You can read more of Aubrey's stories about our city's education system at WHYY.org. We'll have links in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. The city is preparing for a possible arrival of 52 asylum seekers this week from Del Rio, Texas. According to Philly Voice, the city's Office of Immigrant Affairs and the Office of Emergency Management have been preparing for the potential arrival of migrants on unplanned and uncoordinated bus routes from southern states. In an effort to protest immigration policies, some Republican governors in border states have sent asylum seekers to several sanctuary cities around the country. Philadelphia grocery owner Jeff Brown is planning to announce he's running for mayor this week. According to the Inquirer, Brown, who owns several ShopRite grocery stores throughout the city, will become the first government outsider and fifth Democrat to jump into this already crowded mayoral race. Brown plans to hold an event in West Philly Wednesday morning. And remember last week when we talked about Philadelphia Chicken Man? You remember the guy who devoured 40 rotisserie chickens for 40 days straight? Well, now he's using his recent fame to address hunger in the city. According to Billy Penn, South Philadelphia Community Fridge raised $1,000 in less than a day after Alexander Tominsky, a.k.a. Philly Chicken Man, posted on Twitter soliciting donations for the organization. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Graduating, graduating.